Welcome back to the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Cressy, and this is episode 179. Uh, today's guest is a guy who's actually trained at CSP since before CSP existed um, in Florida. He's a, a Jupiter native, um, went to school here, and is now pitching in the big league. So it's a really cool story of long-term athletic development. I think he's got a unique perspective on how our business evolved and the synergy that's taken place and all that. All-around great guy and, and someone who definitely puts in the work. So it's cool to see his success, and he's going to share some of those insights today. This episode is brought to you by AG1, the most comprehensive NSF certified for sport daily nutritional supplement I've ever tried. With so many stressors in life, it can be difficult to maintain effective nutritional habits and give our bodies the nutrients they need to thrive. As a father of three young kids and a co-founder of multiple businesses in multiple states on top of still being an avid exerciser, I know that busy schedules can really take their toll on us. Whether it's poor sleep, exercise or life stressors, environmental factors, or simply not eating enough of the right foods, we can often wind up deficient nutritionally. This is where AG1 can really help. It's a game-changing nutritional insurance policy. They simplify the logistics of getting optimal nutrition on a daily basis by giving you just one thing with all the best things. That's why I use it daily, as do several of my family members, and we recommend it to a lot of our top athletes. One scoop of AG1 contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients that work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet to support energy, focus, digestion, and recovery. And this can all happen for less than $3 per day and without taking multiple products. While most nutritional supplements come to market and stay stagnant, AG1 continues to obsessively improve this one holistic formula based on the latest research, producing over 50 improvements in the last decade alone. They invest in the most absorbable and natural source of each ingredient and go above and beyond in third-party testing to ensure their customers continue to receive the highest quality and best tasting nutrition habit on the planet. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it'll work for you, and it contains less than one gram of sugar per serving. They put 75 ingredients through the rigorous NSF certification test to come up with a safe formula that's trusted by some of the world's top athletes, including many of our own at Cressy Sports Performance. Right now, AG1 is giving our listeners a special offer of 10 free travel packets with their first purchase. Just head to drinkag1.com backslash Cressy and claim this special offer. These travel packets are perfect for supporting your immune system, energy, and gut health while you're traveling for games, training, or simply on the go. They can be great counterbalance to the less than ideal on the road food options that are out there for a lot of our traveling baseball players. So if you want to bridge the gap between deficient and optimal and give yourself the best chance of getting nutrient diversity, head to drinkag1.com backslash Cressy to get 10 free travel packets with your first purchase. Again, that's drinkag1.com backslash Cressy, C-R-E-S-S-E-Y. You won't regret it. Today's guest is a left-handed pitcher who was born and raised in Florida. He attended the University of Virginia, where he threw 108 innings predominantly out of the bullpen over his four years. The Washington Nationals selected him in the 34th round of the 2017 draft after his junior year, but he elected not to sign. He returned to Virginia for his senior year, and the White Sox drafted him in the 10th round of the 2018 MLB draft. He worked his way up through their minor league system and made their opening day major league roster in 2022. In 2023, he started the year with the White Sox before being DFA'd and claimed by the Cincinnati Reds during spring training. He then had stints with the Brewers and Tigers before landing with the Astros. He made five key appearances down the stretch for Houston in their regular season push for the playoffs, pitching six in the third scoreless innings and allowing only one hit with eight strikeouts and no walks. At the time of this recording, he's made 32 career appearances in the big leagues. Please welcome to the show, Bennett Sousa. 
What's up, Bennett? Thanks for doing this, man. No problem. Glad to be here. This is long overdue. I know you've been busting my chops about it, but my defense is that you always introduce the challengers before the champion. <laughs> I love it. That's it. Um, that's it. So I think that's a good place to start. This is is you were actually a, a Cressy Sports Performance Florida guy before CSB Florida actually existed. Um, so maybe give folks like the uh, the insights on on your background and how you were originally introduced to us. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously Brian Kaplan was a big part in me, uh, you know, knowing you and and learning more about you and and, and the Cressy Gym in general. Um, and then, you know, a cap, the story goes that cap was emailing you over and over and over again, back in the day. And he was training me doing your exercises. And, uh, and then we went up to mass and, you know, I didn't really know what to expect going up there. I'd never done any legit sports training for baseball specifically. And, uh, when I went up there, I mean, it was obviously eye opening for me. And I realized that I got a lot of work to do if I want to, you know, make this, do this seriously. Um, but I think having cap around was, was massive for me. I think cap, like having that role model in my life, uh, kind of just guiding me in the right direction on which, you know, the training side of things, the pitching side of things. And I think that'll go into, you know, some further discussion. Um, kind of just having him as a, as a role model, like I said, was huge for me and, and getting into the strength side of baseball. Yeah. I mean, your, your timing was perfect. And, and for those of you who know, Brian Kaplan was our, was our business partner. We started up Cressy sports performance, Florida, and he's now the major league assistant pitching coach with the Philadelphia Phillies. Like you got a big league pitching coach as your high school pitching coach. It was a, a remarkably like impactful experience. Yeah. Especially when, you know, when I was going through it, training wasn't the same as it is now. I mean, kids now are starting to specifically train for baseball at a much younger age where back when I was going through it, it was kind of like everyone has played three sports and you just train by playing other sports. Um, and now it's a little bit different, obviously, but knowing the direction to go to and getting pointed into a great direction with you guys was, uh, was huge for me at such a young age. Yeah, I think, I think that was a really beneficial experience. And, I, and I've worked with, obviously, Matt Blake for an extended period of time. And Matt and yeah. Cap and I were kind of throwing our ideas around. But, you know, it was, it was really important for me as we as we look to do a location in another state to have someone where you could, like, you could have that synergy, right? Where I could talk strength conditioning, he could talk pitching. We, we obviously met in the middle on a lot of those things. Of, you know, how can we get this guy's body to move the way it needs to? And so you were kind of like uh, – you were like the initial subject, like you were the guinea pig. I know. Well, I mean, I'm I'm obviously super blessed. Like you said, like Brian Kaplan is a major league pitching coach now. And I worked with Matt Blake, who's also a major league pitching coach now. And you yourself, like I had three guys in my corner that at the time we didn't know where they were going to be in the future. But looking back on it, I mean, these are three guys that, you know, are, are big in the sport that that are successful in the sport. And I was at such a young age with with these role models. Like, I was obviously very blessed with that. I think we were lucky too to have like um, athletes that recognized that we didn't have all the answers, but we were trying to ask a lot of the right questions and just have you know open minded to it and all that. And um, right. you know, you, we're you know maybe at least like I, one of the things I, I I've always praised Cap about that I think he did awesome about is he was not afraid 
to be the bad guy in, in protecting a lot of the really good arms down here is, you know, if you're a good arm in, in Florida and you were obviously a University of Virginia commit and, you know, there are a bunch of other guys that kind of went through the same situations with everyone wants you to play for their team. And you kind of have to be public enemy number one by saying like, hey, we're not pitching this fall. We're, we're focused on the long term. So you weren't exactly like a multi-sport athlete, but you you did do a really good job to avoid the overuse issues so many Florida kids have had. So were there big discussions that you and Cap had, you and your parents had, you know, hard and fast rules that you all really applied to make sure that you stayed on a good path? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I remember specifically that Cap never wanted me to throw in the fall. And I think that, that that's, you know, kind of out of the window now. Got kids throw all year round in Florida. Um, I was only pitching in the spring season for the high school team. And then over the summer, I would be on an innings limit, but I would pitch in the summer as well. And I think that really limited, you know, the amount of stress on the arm year round. Um, and kind of just, I had a season, like it wasn't a year long season. It was, this is your season where you're going to pitch. You can prepare for that season. And, you know, I had some injuries in high school that we, we dealt with, um, nothing surgical, obviously, but, you know, that's the hard part with high school is your routine is so it's everywhere. You don't have a, a sound routine. And so when you go to these high school seasons and, you know, you're throwing once a week and all of a sudden you come from basketball practice and now you're playing baseball and, you know, you're, you just, your arms, not, you get tendonitis. Like you just don't throw enough where your arms built up enough. And I think Cap did a really good job of, of setting a baseline routine that all, what you can do in high school and uh, it helped me out. It's a big deal. I, I you know, we, we talk so much about routine for guys at all levels, but no one really emphasized how important or how, what a competitive advantage it is to figure it out at a young age. Like if you can yeah. lock it in at 16, 17 compared to 26, 27, it's, it's a massive differentiator. It's crazy. And still like at 28 years old, like your routine is always changing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're trying to always refine your routine and make it better and, and, you know, the earlier you can start building a routine, the better you are when you're 28, 30 years old at refining that routine, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm really fascinated by your your developmental path. Um, obviously, you had some high school success and went to UVA and, and you struggled a little bit. Right. I mean, there were there were ups yeah. and downs. You're on a really good college team where it's it's hard to crack and, you know, the the innings and, and all that stuff. So you had a 5.5 ERA over 108 innings pitched in college. And, you know, there was like some FIP and XIP, XFIP corrections on there, but it was roughly a two to one strikeout to walk ratio. What's really fascinating is you, you went to minor league baseball, you threw 194 innings and you put up a 2.96 ERA and it's a, you know, over, I think it's like 4.25 strikeouts per walk. So, you know, it's fascinating to see guys. And Packy Naughton was another guy I talked to about this, you know, right. Why was it that you struggled more in college versus pro ball? Were you, were you a different guy in pro ball? Was it just a, you know, one of those things where it was happenstance and small sample size? What do you think it was in hindsight? I think, well, I think there's a lot of things into it, but, I, but to start, I think that when you get to college from high school, you go from this guy that, you know, you're the man in high school and you get to college, especially if you go to a good program like Virginia and you're just, you're, you're now, a small fish and like you have to break through and everything can be overwhelming at first. You know, you have, you have your new coaches, new teammates, new school, the, the schoolwork is, you got to deal with that too. Worst, worst winner like, you'll ever see as a Jupiter yeah, guy. <laughs> and now you're pitching in the cold too. Yeah. Like, 
there's a lot of different factors that come into it. Um, and it took me a while to, you know, way longer than I was expecting to kind of adjust to that, that new scenery and new, and new baseball really. Um, but I think also, you know, I lost a lot of confidence in my first two years at Virginia. I wasn't throwing that much. And when I did, I wasn't throwing well. Um, I was learning, you know, new, new pitches, new ways to throw new mechanics, all this stuff. And, uh, it got very overwhelming. And in hindsight, you know, instead of fighting it, I probably should have just, you know, accepted it sooner and maybe things would have changed, but quicker. Um, but I lost confidence. And then as the seasons got on at UVA, um, I started to gain confidence again a little bit. And then once I got to pro ball, you know, I figured this is, I got nothing to lose at this point. Like just play loose and, and, and have fun and wherever the chips fall, they fall. And, uh, I, I had immediate, a lot of success in pro ball and I kind of just rode that confidence till today. I mean, that's really, I mean, you, uh, you know, from talking to pitchers, like confidence is such a big thing in pitching. Yeah. Like, you know, you can have good stuff. I've seen guys with great stuff that get rocked around the yard. I've seen guys with bad stuff that pitch elite, you know, and it's just the way they act on the mound, the way they compete. I think that that's, it's a big, big thing in pitching. Um, and when you get that, your mojo back, your swagger back, you know, in pitching, it, it, it really does help you a lot. I love that. You know, I think the other thing no one talks about in college is, you know, every guy on that UVA team was the best player in the history of their school, right? Like it's, right. it's a big deal. And you go there and as a, as a pitcher, like you started, you know, once a week, all throughout high school, you were the dude and you go there and you don't really know who's going to be the starter, who's going to be the reliever. Everybody's good. Um, you know, for you, you predominantly relieve, but you know, there's no telling, Hey, you arrive and you learn a good change up. All of a sudden you're a three pitch guy instead of a two pitch guy. So I'm sure there's a, a, a kind of an initial stage where it's just like figuring out who you're going to be. Was there some clarity in like going to Pro Bowl and them saying, you're going to relieve, this is who you are. This is what you're going to do. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of funny. Like when I got to college, I was so oblivious to how college baseball even worked. Like I didn't know like the season 52 games. Like I was really like, I was dumb about this, like everything about college baseball. I had no idea. And, and I went in there thinking, Oh, I'm going to be a starter and I'm just going to keep starting for the rest of my career. Like I didn't even think about relieving. I didn't even, cause in high school baseball, you know, the first, the best pitcher pitches and the second best pitcher comes in and he finishes the game, you know? And that's how it goes. Um, so in college, I didn't even know what relieving was. And when I was, I had to adjust to being a reliever then. But in pro ball, I just accepted I'm going to be a reliever for the rest of my career. And and here here's what you got to do. Yeah. And I think that really, like you said, that was really refreshing and kind of just, you know, it eases your mind. And this is this is who you are. And once you realize who you are as a pitcher, I think that really helps you, you know, dominate the more you go. We interrupt this podcast with a quick reminder that this episode is brought to you by AG1. It's an NSF certified all-in-one superfood supplement that features 75 whole food sourced ingredients designed to support your body's nutritional needs. I use this product daily myself and a ton of our athletes do as well. Head to drinkag1.com backslash Cressy and claim my special offer of 10 free travel packets with your first purchase. AG1 gives you peace of mind that you're covering all your nutritional bases. Again, that's drinkag1.com backslash Cressy, C-R-E-S-S-E-Y, and you'll get that special offer.
What was the hardest aspect of the adjustment? I mean, there'll be obviously a conversation we have later about doing it back to back and stuff like that that you might right. not do in college. But what what was it that for you was so challenging about going from starting to relieve when you got to college? I mean, I'm going to keep saying it. your routine as a reliever is completely different as a starter. I mean, you have to you have to be yeah, it has to change as a reliever. Like you have to be prepared for anything. You know, any inning you're going to come in, you have to, you, you can't have this long routine. You have to be ready to get on a fly. Hey, you're in next inning, go. Um, and I think once you start refining that routine as a reliever, you start feeling what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And we can talk more about that later because, I mean, it, it's still changing for me yeah. every season. Mm-hmm. When you when you went to pro ball, you know, it was interesting. Your your highest average velo at UVA was 91.2, which is, you know, obviously four games a week, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe a midweek game. Um, and now it's consistently over 94. You're touching 96, 97. For you, what was the biggest difference, like in, in making the that big velocity surge? I mean, I think I say here's a little plug for you. I think obviously working out at Cressy is has helped me understand my body more. Um but also just the this timing up your body, I think is is huge. Just finding what works for you. Um, you know, you see all these guys that get big velo spikes when they get to pro ball, and it's like, well, yeah, they're they're throwing more, they're doing pitching more, like they're finding out what works for them more. And uh I think that was big for me, like just throw going from throwing like four days a week, even in catch play, to now seven days a week, you just feel your body out way more. Um, you know what works for you, and and I think that that helps increase velo too. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know your interest, you're, you're six foot three, right? Yeah, you're kind of like right on that sweet spot. And you know, I was just looking at my notes. You came back, you were two thirteen. I've seen six foot three guys that feel amazing at two oh five, like they're athletic. And I've seen guys that carried two thirty five and felt amazing, like. You're obviously kind of somewhere in the middle, like 213 to 220, give or take. Like, right. there's really kind of a feeling out, like, what's the best weight for me? Like, hey, I had to get too heavy. Hey, I'm too light. Like, wh- where did that kind of settle? And what was maybe the the timeline of when you left high school versus now? I think uh, I think where I'm at now, the 213 to 220 range is, like, where I feel my best. I've been down to 205 before, and I feel good, but I feel – I don't feel as strong when I'm that that 205 weight. And then I've been 225 before too, and I feel like I'm too sluggish, too too big, you know? Um, it's kind of like it, it goes just as your career progresses, finding that honey hole on where you feel physically the best, um, I think is is big weight-wise. Uh, but I know I, I ended last year at 207, and I felt really good, but I, I felt like I could be more durable at 215 to 220 range. Right on. Speaking of durability, uh, you were fortunate or unfortunate, depending on how you look at it, to see several organizations here. You started in Chicago, um, we're in Milwaukee, Detroit, and you finished the year in Houston. And it was it was on a great note. You threw in some really high leverage situations for them down the stretch. And you know, what does a year like this teach you when you're you know you're on a roster, off a roster, and just you know going into new clubhouses? Like, were there certain lessons that you took away from each of the stops along the way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this year obviously was crazy. Um, five different teams was not in the plan. I didn't even but, uh, which was the one I left out. I'm forgetting. Uh, the red reset white Sox to start. Yeah. yeah. Then reds. I forgot the red. Um, <laughs> no, I, you know, it, there was a lot of lessons learned. I met a lot of 
great guys, obviously, just being from every organization. Um, but I think it really opened my eyes and, you know, this is a business, what we're playing. And like, it can change anytime and not to put pressure on yourself because you'll never play well if there's that much pressure, but just, you know, doing, I don't say doing like kind of just every organization is different and there's going to be a lot of people telling you different things and kind of just sticking to, to what you've trained for and you've took in the off season and bring it to the season. Um, I think that it helps you when you're a reliever that's just, you know, bouncing around place to place um, with no real structure. Like you have to create the structure on yourself. Um, I was very fortunate to end with the Astros. They've obviously put me in a, a great spot and uh, I'm excited for next year with them. But that being said, like you have to keep performing at a high level. If you want to stay with one team, I mean, that's for anybody though. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where it's like a reminder to be your own best coach, just because you don't know where yes. you're going to be tomorrow. And if you're too reliant on one person, you know, you're, you're, you're potentially more likely to just get pulled in the wrong direction. I think the biggest takeaway too, from this past year was that you can't worry about anything else. You know, you're either going to pitch well and you're going to stay with that team or you're not going to pitch well. And, you know, there might be another opportunity somewhere else. And instead of putting so much pressure on myself being like, I don't know where I'm going to be next. I honestly, it came to a point where I kind of just, I don't want to say gave up, but I was just like, I don't care anymore. You know, whatever happens, happens. And I think that honestly made me play way better because I just, I stopped caring about where I was going to be. You know, if you're going to get options, stay up in the big leagues, I didn't care anymore. I, I w went through it way too much where I was just like, whatever. I, I feel like I've talked to several guys over the years that, you know, they starting pitchers were like, it doesn't matter how well I throw. I could get an option right after this game. I could throw a no hitter yeah. tonight and I'm still going to triple A tomorrow. And the second they stop worrying about that and just focus on the task at hand, everything kind of seems to take care of itself much better. And it's way easier said than done. Obviously like you have to, I feel like you, like for me, I had to get DFA four times and claim five in order to finally be like, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just going to go pitch and whatever happens, happens. Absolutely. Um, you know, maybe bounce it back to 2022. You had a, a, a lot of workload in the White Sox bullpen early in 2022, really kind of like start of the season all the way up into really early June. And we both know that working out of a big league bullpen is, is high pressure and hard on the body, but particularly with the volume that you saw early in the season. Were there things that you learned in the moment, whether it was your own experiences or talking with teammates that were up there? that helped you to basically get through that year and, you know, and really take a big step forward over the course of that time? Yeah. I mean, when I first got to the big leagues last year or in 2022, um, I didn't know what to expect. I just, I had this long routine um, before, the, before the game that I would do before catch play, I would do it. And then, you know, you feel really, you feel like you can do anything in the big leagues for about three weeks. And then you realize, Holy crap. Like, we're playing every, it's different than the minor. You're playing every day and you got to bring it every day as a reliever, especially. Um, and it ends up being, it just it, mentally and physically, it ends up being a lot. Yeah. And uh, I would watch, I had a very, I was lucky because I had a veteran bullpen with the White Sox and I'd watch these relievers and they're all like, they're, they're very relaxed. They're, they don't have these long routines. 
it's just very like they get in what they need to get done before the game and then they go out there and pitch. And as I kept watching them, it's almost like I felt like I was doing too much. Um, and it ended up, I think, backfiring on me, obviously, because I got I got I was drained by the time, you know, May halfway May came around. Um so I think that it's important. And now I've learned after watching these veteran guys, even with the Astros too, like get what you need to get done, but it, you don't need to do a million different things to be at your hundred percent game time. You know, a lot of adrenaline, a lot of, you know, the moment of the game is going to take over in your body and you're going to be prepared for what you need to get three outs. Um, and I think that's important takeaway from that, that 2022 season for me. Yeah. You know, you hinted at it. Like, I think the casual person can appreciate like the difference in high school and college or college and minor league ball. I think the one between the minor leagues and the big leagues is, is, is a harder one to appreciate, right? Yeah. Minor leaguers always get Mondays off, but most big leaguers are getting, you know, three, maybe four days off per month anyway. Um, right. You know, and, but you know, big leaguers tend to travel better, right? They stay in nicer hotels. The food is better. So I think they'll grasp, what, in your opinion, is the difference between being in AAA versus being in the big leagues in terms of just the overall stress on your body? Well, I, th- I think I think the, you can't prepare, especially nowadays in the minor leagues as a reliever. It is – I don't want to say it's easy, but you kind of know when you're going to throw in the minor leagues. Yeah, It's very – yes, it's very like you know you're slotted out kind of when you're going to throw. You're going to throw two, maybe three times a week. Like that's back to the back. Big Right. You rarely go back to back in the minor leagues. Like that step to the big leagues from triple A as a reliever is the biggest step you're going to take in any of the, you know, progressions of, of, of baseball. Um, And I think that's why some guys struggle at first as relievers coming up to the big leagues, because they're not prepared to throw the amount that they're going to throw. And even like some days if you have a back to back, and then you're like, oh, I might be off. And then, yeah. you know, can you get me an out today? Yeah. And you're like, okay, I got, I got to be ready today too. Like you have to, and that's what goes back to the last thing is like, you just have to come to work every day thinking that you're going to pitch and preparing like you're going to pitch and being mentally ready to compete every day. I mean, it's, it's, you're going to a mental war zone every season. I mean, it really is. And you have to be prepared for that. What's the advice you would give to other relievers? Like if you got a, a buddy, you know, that you see in the gym that's going to pitch out of a high leverage spot in a, in a major league bullpen this year, like what's the number one tip that you give to them to kind of understand, you know, how to prepare for it? Yeah. I mean, I like, I'm going to keep saying your routine, you have to have a good routine. If you don't have a routine, I think you're going to be lost because you're not going to have good outings every time. And what do you fall back on when you have a bad outing? It's not go make a hundred mechanical changes. It's just, Hey, I had a bad day. Let me do the same thing I did the day before. And I, and it's baseball. Things are going to, you know, come around your way. Um, I think that's big as a reliever. Like you're the field goal kicker. You know, you can, no one knows who you really are, but if you mess up, people are going to know who you are. Um, And you kind of have to, you have to deal with that and understand that. And uh, you can't let it beat you up when you have a bad outing. And I think that's really, it's difficult to do, but the best ones that I've come across when they have a bad outing, the next outing they're 
back to, you know, being who they are. Absolutely. What's next for you? Like, how do you feel like you can continue to refine, improve, and, you know, obviously be a, a regular big leader? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this last year I, I developed the sinker two seamer that, uh, I think is really going to help me out a lot with lefties at the big league level. Um, but for me, it's just being consistent. Every time I've been consistent, I've been really good. And I think that just, you know, over the course of the year, really taking pride in like how I treat my body and, you know, the things I've been doing to kind of prepare for a 60 plus appearance season, um, will help me in the next, in the next step. Um, I know I have the stuff to compete at the big league level. It's just being consistent enough every time I go out there to deliver that stuff. Yeah. I think, you know, you also, you know, from, from my, my perspective, like the nutrition, you've always been good with it. I think now you're good. Yeah. With it. Like it's a, it's an yeah. extra special focus that I think you've made this year. That'll be a big difference for it. I mean, the older, like now I'm realizing the older you get, like you just don't, and I'm only 28, but still like you feel things that you didn't feel at 24, 23 years old. Um, and I think the nutrition side of things will definitely help me out uh, this next year. Right on. All right. We always start to wrap up with a lightning round. So these are, uh, yeah. you can be as elaborate as you want in the, uh, in the responses, but who do you like to watch pitch? Whew. I like when I watch baseball, like when I tune in, obviously I like to watch any lefty reliever. Um, but the guy that I like, I will look up and, and, and watch some of his stuff on YouTube is another crusty guy, Brad hand, just cause he's a lefty reliever. One of the best, you know, um, nasty slider. I think I have a nasty slider. So like, I like to kind of look at his and, and see things like that, but obviously he's had a great career. So someone I like to watch. Solid one. Maybe building on that. Who's someone that you've learned from at the gym and what did you learn from them? I mean, I think that's the special thing about Cressy is there's so many guys there that, you know, have success and that are in the same boat as you that you can just kind of pick their brains and talk to a lot. Um, I don't know anything specifically off the top of my head, but just, you know, us guys, we always talk every day, just kind of, you know, little things that you might pick up here and there. Um, and they watch your bullpens, you know, that you're working out together. I think that's just a great environment to be around. Yeah, I was cracking up yesterday. Like we were, it was really quiet in the gym, like earlier in the day to the point that yeah. I was like asking like, what's going on? Like, did the guys have like a, like a charity golf outing or something like that? It was like, no, everybody it was like our first big bullpen day. And there were a bunch of guys literally just standing around watching like their yeah. training partners throwing stuff. It's a, it's a cool like thing that happened very accidentally, but it's, I think it's nurtured the environment a lot. Absolutely. I think it's great. Um, what are some of the qualities of the best coaches that you've had in your career? Who, who have been the most impactful for you? I think like a best coach and, and best managers are just guys that know how to communicate the best to the players. Like, I think the older you get, like the more dishonest you want to manager and coach. Um, it doesn't need to be somebody that, you know, is a raw, raw guy or, 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 or screams at you or anything like that. It's just someone that knows how to talk to you um, and deliver the message in the best way. Like I, I remember this, this past season when I was uh rehabbing in Arizona, like the rehab guy, uh, for the brewers, he gave me a couple cues that, that really, like, it was very kindergarten, honestly type stuff, but it worked for me and it helped me out 
the rest of the way. It helped me with the Astros, which is kind of funny. But, uh, you know, just little things like that. Guys that know how to communicate and deliver messages, I think, is makes a great coach. It's a big deal. What about advice for a teenage Bennett Sousa? Oh, God. <laughs> um, I mean, there's so much. But I, I think, like, the biggest one is just, you know, it don't stress out about the little things. It's going to, like, you work hard enough. It's going to work out. Like things are going to go your way at some point. And uh, I think that's just important to stay on path. Don't stress. Keep working hard. Um, and that's it. Love it, man. Well, folks can find you on uh, social media. It's bsusa11 on Instagram and Bennett Sousa on Twitter. Um, this was awesome, man. It was long overdue. So thank you very much <laughs> for, uh, for taking the time. I enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eric. I appreciate right on, it, man. We'll see you in the morning. Appreciate you doing this. All right. Sounds good. See you tomorrow. Thanks so much for tuning in to the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast. We really appreciate you carving out some time in your schedule to listen, not just to this episode, but also to some of the episodes from our archives. If you enjoy what you heard, we'd love it if you'd share it with friends, colleagues, and teammates, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks again for your time.